Hello. Hello. Done. Right, no. Um, that's an intro. That's the best intro I can think of. That's the best um, intro. Is there any subject that we can't talk about? Uh, Except no. your identity. Except my identity. If you were to choose... An, uh, an assumed name. Do you ever get asked an assumed name you may oh, yeah. select? What would be the most, not, not your go-to assumed name, what would be your sixth best assumed name? Oh, Mine know? would be Dirk. Dirk? That's D-I-R-K, a, Dirk. Like Dirk Gently. Or Dirk Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I so like what it. what would be your, your sixth best assumed name? Not your number one. We're not interested in that. Not my number one. Not your go-to Okay, place. well, so I, ha- I actually have, I, I genuinely have a hierarchy of names and identities this is what we're after okay, that I cool. use so depending let's, let's on who I'm talking to lose the top three cards okay okay let's so we'll go Bond top... style lose the top okay, three so cards okay so losing the top three cards we get to Nettie Nettie um, cool. because a guy once started calling me Nettie because I'm girl on the net and he was like oh I'll call you Nettie and I was like that's really adorable I okay. will keep that I thought it was because you were mysterious like the Loch Ness Monster and it's Nessie but it's oh, fine that would have been cooler would have been cooler it's sad but true but genuinely I get. I have like a few names I have I think five different names that I use for different people and uh, the different the name you get given when I introduce myself to you is uh, tells you how much I trust you basically on the basis uh, of the fight I have different like Ah, hierarchies of trust Um, but on top of that I get to a certain point where I'm like, I don't really know what name to give, or like people on Twitter who know me a bit, and they're like, oh, well, can I? What name can I refer to you as? And I will say to them, just pick one. So I've had like, I've been Gertrude, I've been Maud, I've been like Margaret, like I've been loads of different people. I would just say to people, pick a name because I don't care. I really don't care. Like. I will reply to whatever name people call me, and but for some reason people hate using like Gotten or Girl or G. They want a real name. Yeah, I think that's true though, because people want to relate to something. It's yeah. a go-to place, you know, rather than a, a, a character. Yeah. A, a letter or whatever. Yeah, but interestingly, like they, when people pick names, they usually go for something a bit weird. Then they'll, they'll pick a name that's you know they wouldn't pick like a Sarah or a Kate or a. You know, they pick like a Maud or a Gertrude or something that's less common. Okay. Um, so if you were to take the name of any celebrity first name and combine it with any celebrity's last name, which would you pick? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm going with Pratt for the surname. Pratt. Okay. Yeah, Pratt is good. Yeah, because a it means I would probably be married to Chris Pratt, but also it's just a good comedy name. Like you can be a Pratt and that's fine. Um, Okay, okay. Helena. Helena Pratt. Yeah, like Where Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, Who Helena Pratt. Helena I quite like Pratt. that. Because I like the idea that I would look like Helena Bonham Carter, but also be a Pratt and just generally be quite clumsy. But and also have the ability to um, to train velociraptors. So that's... Yes. Which would yeah. be a skill. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could, you could, that's a transferable skill. That would be on top of my CV. That's true, but I think you're making the fundamental mistake there that everyone made in the Jurassic Park 4 movie. Uh, that, Jurassic World. Okay. <laughs> so you're making the fundamental mistake that you think once you train velociraptors, they will do your bidding. No, no, you no. need to be like Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. You need to understand that the velociraptors have their own desires and needs and they're not always going to obey you of course I mean that's thank you for the advance warning I appreciate it I'm now going to look out 
yeah. and not apply that knowledge. Yeah. Or Should form. you find yourself in a Jurassic Park 4 situation? Straight Jurassic World. <laughs> as it's otherwise known as the documentary series Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's good advice. See, you look. Tons of advice. You're welcome. Already. You We're are two, welcome. three minutes in. <laughs> just throwing advice out there. Um, if you had to eat the same soup every day for a year, which flavour would you choose? Ooh, I'm going to be really boring and say tomato. Really? Well, yeah, why fucking would you love tomato mean, soup. Same soup every day is a bit of a chore. I know, but you know what they say, it's like the opposite of your like sexual tastes. The blander your soup tastes, the weirder you are in the bedroom. So soup, yeah, tomato. I'm, yeah, I made that up. That's not that true. Was, but it's not a real thing. No. You should never say that. It's not a real never thing. Never say I made that up. But that was really quite convincing. Was it? Oh, fuck. Okay, right, I'm going to try and slip in. Do yeah, some I'll more. slip in Do a few more. more later on. So, tomato soup. I know, boring. Dead plain. Well, not dead plate. Like I would, I would get some bread and toast some bread. Toast You're crucially. doing the international hand signal for bread, <laughs> which is fist open. Yeah. bread. It's a roll. It's a roll. Yeah, a roll. No, no, it'd have to be bread. You toast the bread and toast. then dip the yeah, only a little bit. Toast the bread, dip the bread in, grate some cheese on the top of the tomato soup. So you're basically using bread to fish cheese out of tomato soup. Welcome to cooking. It's the only way to this serve is it. Brilliant. Um, would you? Would you? If you got the opportunity to host a Saturday kitchen, now James Martin's left. Would you take it on? <laughs> yeah. With that kind of cookery etiquette. Yeah, honestly, the I... bread to fish out the cheese from the tomato soup. I yeah. Mean, you must be an expert in the kitchen. I am. Yeah. Don't even get me started on how to use your garlic bread to scoop up the macaroni cheese. Well, you're a pro. Basically. See, using uh, bread to put cheese in my face that is my specialist subject you mainly use bread to shovel cheese by the sounds of it yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> bread, is a, bread is a functional food item yeah. bread in and of itself is rubbish someone someone I know has got the Paul Hollywood how to make bread book and I was right. just horrified that there were so many different types of bread because realistically all that matters is the cheese that you put on the bread right but apparently some people give a shit about bread so if you bring out your own range of cheese how do you what would it be I mean you could have a hybrid cheese would be any cheese uh, I would what I'd, no see I, what I would want is cheese from all over the world all the different types of cheese wow the best you'd have like a really good strong cheddar in there you'd have a really good paneer fucking love paneer halloumi You'd, you'd have like one of each of the main staple cheeses. The main, so that's the phrase, main staple cheeses. Yeah, and so then you would just have cheeses. The must have cheeses, and then you would get rid of any cheese that was too wanky, i.e., brie, fuck off, Stilton, fuck off, anything made by a goat, fuck right off, sheep's cheese, no, fuck off. Sheep's cheese? No, cheese, keep it simple, keep it simple. You basically either want squeaky cheese, of which comes in two types, paneer or halloumi, or you want cheddar. And that is, a, that is about it, really. Wow. Yeah. So you're pretty... You're, would you say you're a cheese Nazi, or...? <laughs> I would say I'm a cheese... I wonder I'm, if you like cheese. I'm a cheese gourmand. I'm not a cheese gourmet. Gourmand. Yeah, I just... Yeah. I want a lot of cheese. You want it now. Of exactly the right type, yeah. Okay. At your disposal, any time of day. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you, you would... Would you employ a cheese dispenser? Because um, people have an entourage, right? Yeah, do you if know? You, if you're maybe in a position I would. to have an entourage... Would one of your say you get five people, right? You have, yeah. You've got you and five in your entourage. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's let's select. So one's gone. Cheese dispenser. Yeah. Four left. Oh, ooh, okay. So I've got a cheese dispenser. Uh, someone whose job it was to. <laughs> I, I want, I'm going to say control my drinking. Basically, someone who makes drinks for me, but also maintains my sobriety to levels where I don't do anything embarrassing. So half barman stroke lady kind of half 
prefect. Yes. yes. Drink prefect. Yes, definitely. Okay. Oh, and actually, now that you've said prefect, I would also have a man whose job it just was to tell me I've been naughty when I've been naughty and tell me I've been good when I've been good. I've always wanted someone to do that. Right, so conscious. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of like a conscious, <laughs> okay. but in, in, a, in a sexier way. A slightly sexier way. Okay. applied to everything in life. So just like, you know, if so I you, send a really good email... That was an excellent email. Or would it just yes. be, that was a good email? It would be... Uh, Is it literally just, you've, you've done well there, you've done bad there, good, bad? Yeah, it would be like, good girl, or yeah. that was bad. Okay do that again <laughs> just a sort of like yeah some sort of controlling <laughs> that sounds really that sounds really sick but yeah I would love I would like someone to control my life yeah definitely okay. one would be a fucking driver gotta have a driver slash helicopter flyer Pilot. can I yeah no let's go flyer okay. I almost believed it can I can I combine flyer. those into one person that's allowed okay um, yep. multi-skilled so, yeah someone to drive any of the vehicles which I want to go around on nice that um, might include would you, would you enjoy being driven around in a tank for example yes Okay. I was actually thinking motorbike and sidecar though. I've always quite like motorbike so kind of style. Yeah, and okay. I'd have like a scarf, a scarf on. So you have be to. Brilliant. You need an international sign for a scarf there. <laughs> That's great. Shit. Yeah. Bread, scarf. We're in business. Okay. okay. So what have I got? I've got a cheese dispenser. Cheese dispenser. An alcohol controller. Alcohol prefect. Alcohol prefect. Just a general, a general man to say sexy things at me when I do good or bad things. Yep. And a, a person who drives things around. Pilot straight driver, which, which leaves one position in your ultimate entourage right okay I would have uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it right but basically someone whose job it is to remember people's names do introductions and stop things becoming awkward ooh that's a very difficult job so firstly introductions do you, do you struggle with the introduction? I'm just... What's the, what's the ideal I, introduction? Well, the thing is, I'm always really awkward about them, so I'll, like, come up and be like, hi, and I never know. Like, I go to lots of, like, whenever I go to events and stuff, people are like, oh, you should go and meet and network and chat to people. My best friend is phenomenal at it. Like, he will just wander up to people and be like, hello, what's your name? I'm here to do this, chat, 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 chat. I will hide in a corner playing with my phone, like, oh, no one will really want to talk to me and I can't cope with it. But, like, PR people are brilliant. They'll just wander up and be like, hello, my name is PR person. Let As me if it's you. their job. As As if it's their job. That's bizarre. I would like to have someone like that for me in real life who just does that kind of, look, she's, she's a bit shy and nervous. I'm going to, you know, drag her out and meet people. Right. That would okay. be really useful. So, kind of in a sort of godfather sort of style, really. Kind of a yeah. fixer. Um, good. Okay, well, that was cleared up. So we, That's amazing. I'd love an entourage. This would be brilliant. <laughs> Um, how many people would fit inside a standard UK phone box? This is a question which has just baffled the minds of geniuses all over the world. I yeah, think. do you know, it also, okay, can you, do they have to be all squashed in together or can you sit people on other people's shoulders? This is your phone box. How about if you were to fill the phone box, your ultimate phone box filling group of people? Yeah. Who would you have in your phone? Okay, so I would have me, and uh, I would also then probably like clone Chris Pratt, so I could have, have four him. Chris Pratts. No, but four of them. Just four. Me and four Chris Pratts. Is that allowed? I mean, no. Uh, what? Do they, have that, to, they have to be different people. Is that technology available? Okay, so Chris Pratt, Idris Chris Elba. In. Elba's in. Good choice. Um, who else do Stand. I love? Uh, who was the guy? I can't remember his name, but he's fucking amazing. Sounds good. He used to be in Hustle, right. BBC's Hustle. He was like the main guy. Wow. And he was also in loads of musical theatre. 
can't remember his name. Okay. Adrian Lester. He's him. In. I love okay. him. Right. So uh, do they? Can they? Do they have to be alive? Um, it would make it stinkier. Oh right, okay. But so, they can okay, be so dead. dead well, if I mean, he was alive dead, still, you can, you can kind of compress them, I guess. If he was alive still, Rick Mayo, given that he's not alive, I will have his obviously like somehow lost son, Greg Davis. <laughs> There's not a lot more space. Ah, oh, we can fit five of us in. Greg Davis we'll, takes up the space of two gentlemen. We'll tessellate. I can get at least <laughs> two of them to tessellate in me. We can, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll tessellate. Yeah. That's very good. Okay, Greg Davis, he's a lovely chap. Greg, Greg I, I tried to chat him up once. Really? Have you yeah. seen his pants? They're massive. Have you seen his pants? Yeah. Go to the Soho Theatre. He'll be there like twice a week. Go and see it. If he's in London, that's where he hangs okay. out. See, I met him on, uh, you know, the Tattershall Castle on near Embankment. I want, he did a show there, and I went up to him afterwards, and I was like, I love, really loved your show, you're amazing, can I buy you a drink? And he just looked down, and he clearly already had, like, a totally full pint in front of him, and he went, no, I'm all right, thanks. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll leave you alone. But, uh, but you know, I mean, if, it, if I hadn't totally fucked up that line, I if think I was had definitely one of the entourage. If I'd had my chat-up entourage, or if I'd had my cheese dispenser, and I could have been and like, sorry about that. Person. Yeah, I'd be like, sorry about that, you've already got a pint. Would you like some delicious cheese? How could he possibly resist? I bet he wouldn't. I bet Greg Davis would love a bit of cheese. Which cheese would Greg Davis like? Which oh, sort of cheese do you think he's into? I feel like he'd, be a, he'd probably be a cheddar man. Like, a cheddar, he is nice a no-nonsense yeah, no guy. Can't mess around with cheese. Yeah. But I think also Greg, da- right, Greg Davis is, I think... Deep down, he's quite... Well, not, maybe not even that deep down, but I think he's quite filthy because I heard him on the Richard Herring podcast where Richard Herring reads out, like, sexual fantasies people have had about comedians. And Greg Davis, pretty much everyone, he was like, yep, I'd do that. Yep, yep, yeah, I'd be up for that. Yep. I, mean, I get the feeling Greg Davis is grateful for any attention, but um, as a lot... I bet he gets absolutely shitloads of comedy groupies, yeah. Of course. Big time. How would you feel about that, being in the comedy game? Do you think deal with that pressure? I would... If I were funny, I would fucking love it. If I, could, if I were funny, that would be what I would be doing now and I would be, like, tearing my hair out to try and become a successful comedian. Okay. Thing is, I'm not funny enough, so I just go to a lot of stand-up, look at all the people on stage and go, fuck me, I wish I could be you. Oh. So who do you mind stand-up well? Who floats your boat? Do you know what? I, I hate answering this question in like interviews because oh, I will never no, ever remember. Failed. I know, but I will never ever remember all that the people matter. that I really like. I saw an incredible stand-up the other day, whose name I can't remember. Uh, she's from Kenya and she's incredible. Um, Sounds like Nyambi McGraw. Sounds like who? Jambi. Yes. What's her name? Jambi McGraw. Yes. She's, she's brilliant. I saw her the other day and I was just like, came out like, fuck me. I've never been through so many emotions and been laughing at the same time. Like, she's incredible. Uh, so yeah, okay. Jambi's cool. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say her now. Do. Otherwise, if I give any other recommendations, it will take away from my recommendation of her. But she's great. So comedian would be like a sort of an ultimate fantasy kind of job. Would be, would be. You see yourself extrovert. You can go on stage, deal with. Stage pressure? No, I, I really, like, I cannot cope with it. I'm so anxious. I used to do, like, sort of improv-type stuff, and I was apparently quite good, according to the other people in my group who fucking would say that. Um, <laughs> but, like, I get so I get so nervous. I can't speak. I can't... I'm, like, my throat closes up. I'm massively anxious. Like, okay. one-on-one, in a lovely bar environment like we are now, I can speak. But if this were being broadcast live... You'd hear it in my voice, and I'd be like, 
Oh, so yeah, the oh, warbler. Shit. I like the warbler. It. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, um, but you'd go for it if you, if you, you know, if you were uh, had the opportunity and it and it was a, a different world. Yeah, it was a different version of you. If I woke up, yeah. If I woke up tomorrow and I was a funny fucker, I would give it a bash. Absolutely, girl. Yeah, it would be amazing. Also, comedy groupies. I bet I'd get loads of comedy groupie cock, and that would be quite fun. I think it would be quite varied. Yeah, yeah, maybe it would be. I think it would. Yeah, but it would be brilliant, and I'd get to you know tour the country. Yeah. Shagging people and making them laugh. What more could anyone possibly? So, who would you name the tour? Shagging people and making them laugh. Shagging people and making them laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Live. Yeah. Okay. So if you could replace someone, I invented something. Which inventor would you replace? Um. Ooh, that's, see, that's a big question. It is a big question. And do you know what the difficulty is? Like, I don't invention-wise, I sort of think I don't care. Maybe like Pythagoras' theorem, because it's named after him. Maybe I pick something that was named after me, like narcissistically. Yeah, and I like the, the idea spectrum, that spectrum C1, um, yeah. the iPod, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Johnny iPod, obviously. Yeah. Inventor. No, it was Steve iPod, wasn't it? Johnny iPod. Oh yeah. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> that's oh yeah. Okay. That's yeah. his real name. Not a lot of people know that. Johnny Ivepod. Yeah, that's his actual name. It's true. There we go. See, I, I knew I could get one in. Um, of course. Right. So Pythagoras, you would have a theory. Yeah. Okay. Not a theory, a theorem. A theorem. Yeah. Proven. Everything else is a theory. Pythagoras is, for some reason, is like, a theorem. Totally works. Yeah. It's not like the theorem of evolution. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know though. That's boring, isn't it? Geometry, Maybe I should pick something geometry's like. Geometry's not sexy. Uh, it's not. I, mean, I should pick something fucking weirder. The real doll. I'm obsessed at the moment with real dolls and the um, the guy who's putting AI. Sex yeah. So okay. well, so originally real dolls were just sex dolls. So no like mach- machinery, no like computing involved inside them. They were just sex dolls, but very very beautifully made and very well done and like realistic type okay. fashion that kind of thing. It's very ornate. Would you say? Like, yeah. Describe, I don't know that's probably not the right but way to describe them, but delicately sort of painted and... It's kind of, it's the difference between... Sort of fragile, precious concepts. Yeah, it's the difference between, like, if normal sex dolls is someone making a balloon animal in the shape of a woman, a real doll was someone, like, properly sculpting a woman out of, like, marble or whatever. Or clay. Like, or clay, yeah. The go-to. So very detailed women... So I would quite like to maybe be the person who runs that company. Right. Because they're doing loads of really interesting things, like putting artificial intelligence in them and trying to work out, not necessarily work out how to make a robot conscious, but how to make something that can so effectively mimic human consciousness that it will give you a boner. So a sexy Terminator. A sexy Terminator, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. kind of cool. But, okay, one of the reasons I find it really fascinating, this is a bit of a weird thing, but... Oh, no, carry on. Bear with me, stick with me. When we had the, the spinach earlier, so yeah. a spinach. A spinach. So, um, there was an experiment done. I can't remember the name of the guy, but basically there was an experiment done a long time ago about turkeys and sexual response in turkeys. And he wanted to know, so the male turkey finds the female turkey, he looks at her, he goes, oh, what a sexy female turkey, and then he goes and humps her. And there was a scientist who did an experiment to see what is the least something can look like a female turkey 
and still have a male turkey try and fuck it. Wow. So That's he, science. That is science. And my favourite kind of science, because it's like, oh, what can I make? And still have someone want to fuck it. So he basically took, like, he took a model of a female turkey, like a dead stuffed female turkey, and gradually sort of removed more and more bits of it to try and find out what bits the male turkey would find sexy. So he'd chop off its legs, like its wings, blah, 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 and the male turkey would still go and hump it. Chopped off the head, so it had, like, body of a turkey and a no head, and the male turkey was not interested, Ooh, was not aroused. Big no-no. Then put a head, a female turkey head, on a stick, and the male turkey was still aroused and would still fuck the female stick. turkey head stick on a stick. Yeah. yeah, stick head. So, it's effectively what this guy discovered, I'm assuming it was a guy, anyway, what, what, this, about right. what this scientist discovered is that for turkeys, their sexual interest requires the head of the female that is where they focus their sexual attention because when they're mounted on top of the female and their wings are covering her all they see is her head poking out in front of them so that's where their sexual response is directed I've gone off on a massive tangent no, no, this is awesome but basically the reason why I think like robotics and AI is really interesting is because I think as humans we empathise with things that are clearly not in any way human or feeling or conscious we simply cannot help having empathy or lust or desire for something. So when it comes to like the real dog corporation making sex robots, they, I don't think, need to make anything particularly complicated in order that people fall in love with them. Their robots don't need to be particularly complicated. Their robots don't need to be erudite or witty or able to have a conversation. They just need to look like humans and say hello and smile and I find it really interesting like exploring those boundaries of the turkey one obviously is purely about sex whereas this is more like sex and emotion and loads of things sort of tied up in that so <laughs> sorry that was a that was a big old ramble but it's fantastic um, at the moment. so what do you think the nearest to a person would be for an average person uh, for, honestly for me I don't th- it depends on what you mean in order to have sex with something you apply the same turkey based theory the same turkey based theory well I mean I like yeah I mean I we have for years been using disembodied cocks to wank with like I could come from using a dildo which is literally just the, the, the cock bit basically or I think it depends on the person like for a long time we have effectively been using like human substitutes like the flashlight is a kind of common male sex toy looks like a vagina or a bum or a mouth depending on what takes your fancy and you know that is the minimum most people need to get them off yeah it's the same and so we laugh at the poor hapless turkey who's fucking a head on a stick stickhead stickhead sexy stickhead muz stickhead muz stickhead Um, obviously but we you know we can mock this male turkey for fucking a head on a stick we will happily like get sexual well, it's no difference to having sex with a stick though is it yeah and, but it's also like I sort of think why the fuck not like we were in like it's people are quite judgy about it like the idea that you would have any kind of sexual contact with a person or an object that you didn't super love and there was no kind of connection with it's like oh fuck off Just rub it against your bits and good things happen when it's time yeah so that, that's a massive industry though right yeah it's, it's huge and it's getting bigger as well like and I think it's kind of as it grows I think we'll probably see like in the next five years we'll see some fucking amazing stuff happening in like sex tech how far do you think it'll go with sex robots yeah what's the future oh I think people people will constantly be driven to make ones that are more and more and more and more human like and humanoid 
Um, I think it's probably reasonable to say that at some point they will make robots that are a decent-ish mimicry of humans. Um, when it comes to consciousness, I think that's kind of different. So I think it's... I I think it's more than possible that at some point we will make a robot that will effectively mimic human behaviour whether or not we'll be able to make a conscious robot like Data of Star Trek where you're genuinely going oh that's a person that's a bit more up in the air so who is the sexiest robot? <gasps> good question oh I'm so glad you asked okay uh, I actually did I did a top five of this ages ago top on a blog post remote yeah wow, okay. I can't remember who they all were but uh, so there's Jude Law obviously in AI he's obviously a robot I mean no one can that's just facts no, Jude no, Law is a robot no but he plays the robot Jude Law's an android it's fine is he? yeah of course he okay, is yeah, okay. Uh, Jude Law okay, fair enough. Jude, Jude Law. Law was a robot Jude Law the robot Ding. Law. Um, Crichton has got to be fucking in Beautiful there. Beautiful choice. Sorry Crichton. about pointing my pen right in the face. <laughs> I am on board. Okay. I went to go and see Red Dwarf recording recently. It was amazing. Hey, amazing. Yeah. How do you feel about Bender? Futurama. Okay, he's, he'd be, he'd, he'd be give okay. You a good time. Yeah, he'd be okay for like yeah, dirty weekends, dirty weekend. To be honest, I'm not a massive fan of Futurama, but I do like Ben. Uh, yeah, he'd be dirty. He'd be dirty. Fine, he can be on the list. Oh no, no, I'm just pitching. No, no, no. I think you're I mean, right. I think, That's fine. I think the BB-8 would be quite useful. But, you know, that depends on what you're into. Oh no, oh, fucking beeping. <laughs> yeah, no, no robot that fucking beeps. They can fuck oh, beeper. Right no. That's a good. That's a good criteria immediately. Yeah. You've got to remove the, the traditional beeping-based robots. Yeah, no okay. beeping. So we're talking human. Um, Really. Yeah, it's got to be. I think. I think realistically, it's got to be humorous. But see, here's the problem, right? In the robot canon, there are so many robots who are deliberately made to be sexy. So look at like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica. So like, I can't remember her name, but blonde Cylon. Twelve? Is she twelve? No, she's not twelve. Uh, I don't know, three or whoever she is. Yes. Is she? Yes. You don't know. No, I don't know. No, you don't know. I was doing my don't know, six. but I'm agreeing. Maybe she's six. Anyway, there are quite yes. a few Cylons in Battlestar Galactica who are there to be beautiful. They don't count. They surely can't count because they're not robotic enough. They're there. They are frequently mistaken for humans, so they don't count. Okay. We can't Crichton have those in our sexiest robots. Yeah. Crichton wouldn't be, but Crichton would be lovable. You know, Crichton would make you a fucking amazing breakfast the next morning, wouldn't he? Oh, he would. And dinner. <clears throat> yeah. I think Crichton would yeah. be awesome. I mean, Crichton for me, is, is and sits above Jude Law in almost everything ever. Okay. I mean, I think, to be honest, though, okay, it, picture Crichton's head. Picture Crichton's head I'm in your mind. Crichton's beautifully sculpted Crichton's beautifully sculpted I'm, angular I'm head. I'm a version that's made out of mashed potato at the moment. But. Now, see, next to his beautifully sculpted, angular, sharp head, picture what his penis might look like. Hey, I think it's, I think it's detachable. Yeah. Okay, well, if, as long as... With the proviso that you could... Attach him with a penis that was not going to cause you internal damage. His knackers would be like the prize in the crystal maze. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> What's the worst thing you said to someone on Twitter? Oh God! What's the single most offensive thing you've done? Um. Oh God! Loads of things. I think I my top worst. Three. Oh, <laughs> oh God! No, this is really hard. That's like, why we can balance with the top three nicest I, things. Okay, it's the fine. first thing, the first thing that springs to mind. This again, this is not funny. This is not like comedy, but like I wrote a thing ages ago. I was really fucked off with um, you know at festivals now they have the uh, female urinals, yes. where they give women a cardboard tube to piss through into a trough. 
spoiler alert, it doesn't fucking work because that is not how vaginas work. That is someone who's got a dick has gone in to and gone into a festival and gone, oh, women queue for longer for the toilet, so why don't we make them piss like men? That will work. No, it fucking won't work. Chip home, that's the answer. Yeah, yeah chip it's, home. It's not the answer. Women, like, and basically I wrote this blog post that used the sentence, women don't have dicks, and someone came back to me on Twitter and was like, that's actually really transphobic, and I was like, fuck. That genuinely hadn't occurred to me. Like, that was the first time anyone had ever called me on the whole, like, talking about genitals and gender thing. And I was like, fuck, you're 100% right. Yeah, shit, shit, shit. And so... Well, but that that brings an interesting point out because, you know, you've got freedom of writing as a creative Mm -hmm. and freedom of, you know, anything. You can put down anything you want into this medium. Oh, yeah. Anything that you think is perfectly acceptable to write. But to what point? Oh, yeah, and, well... And do you have to think, oh, no, I'm offending X, Y, and Z person, or so-and-so might not like this? I mean, surely that, that's an extremely restrictive world to live in. Ah, well, yeah, no, bollocks. No, 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 it's a much better world. It's a much better world and a much bigger world. So when I first started blogging, loads of that stuff wouldn't have occurred to me. And my blog posts were quite narrow-minded and probably not as interesting and probably very samey with other people's blog posts and stuff. Now that I'm more aware of this, I read through blog posts like three or four times going, okay, well, what about this? Have I thought about this? Trying to kind of think about the different perspectives. Sure, no one's got a right to turn around and say, you can't say that or you can't use that word. But at the same time, like, I think it makes my writing better to think about that stuff. And I think it's makes the world a better place. Like, a lot of... There are lots of people who complain about, like, censorship and, oh, I'm being shut down. It's like, you're not being shut down. Someone has just... Usually what happens is someone has just come up to you and said, don't you think that might be a bit of a shitty thing to say? And they've gone, oh, God, stop censoring me. And it's like, well, no one's censoring you. They're just saying that might be a shitty thing to say. You can either take that on board and agree with them, or you can disagree with them, or you can have a think about it. I don't know. I'm, I sound really, I know I sound really wishy-washy on this, no, but, but I think it's really valuable thing to have about that doing what you do. It must be the most interesting thing is because you can generate opinion. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. There's nothing wrong with generating opinion. Yeah. And it's also, like, it's really valuable. Like, I have learned so much, particularly in the last two years when I've been kind of paying more attention and reading lots of other people's blogs as well. Like, my opinions now are quite different to what they were before because people come and teach me things and will say, do you know what? that's not acceptable and here's why and I'll go well okay I probably I probably wouldn't use the words not acceptable but I totally understand where they're coming from and it makes me think about stuff that I wouldn't have known about before basically so do you think that within the sort of I guess one of the better words kind of peer group writers similar to yourself do you think you live within that same bubble or some people just don't pay any attention to it because it kind of it kind of makes a clear sort of difference between intelligent writing and just whacking anything down on a piece of paper. Yeah, I think there are a lot of bloggers, I won't name names, but there are some bloggers who I follow, usually like dating type bloggers, who are still talking about the same stuff that I would have thought we'd have got over years ago. So people saying, particularly like female dating bloggers, who will say, well, actually, I know it's not the done thing now. We have to be feminist and men, we shouldn't say men should pay for dates, but actually I think men should pay for dates. And I follow quite a few bloggers like that, and I just think, oh, for fuck's, for fuck's sake, like, if you wanted to write this article, 
I could throw chuck a rock in any bar in London and hit five dating or a car. Or a car. You'd smash my car near anything. Microwave, it's fine. Yeah, and hit like five dating bloggers who could write me that same article. I could churn you out that same fucking article about, oh, actually, it's quite nice when men pay for dates. Like, be interesting, like, be interesting and be unique. And actually, a lot of the genuinely interesting stuff is in areas that people haven't really done to death yet. So, like, talking about, you know, say, gendered expectations when you're paying for dates versus talking about where you take people to on dates and whether or not like political implications of say taking someone to go and see a rom-com on your first date versus taking someone to go uh, to like a punk gig or you know all that kind of stuff there's loads of interesting shit you can talk about and I think I don't know I, I sort of hope that like the not the market but like consumers in terms of what they read will weed out the sort of boring fucking listicles of like top ten things a man should do on a date or so who do you think is pushing the boundaries ah fuck that's really difficult so um, I really like Stavers on Twitter who is very radical and lefty and talks about loads of brilliant stuff and she's very she's a very angry feminist like she writes to her blog is called like another angry woman and she writes a lot about gender and politics and she rubs people up the wrong way I have good friends who love her and I have good friends who cannot stand her and I think that's really important to have someone who can stamp into a debate and go fuck you I think this and it helps people kind of work out what they're thinking who else is good um there are loads of people who are brilliant um, I really like oh, I'm too pissed now to like come out with loads of names and also do you know I hate giving lists because as soon as I give a list we don't have to some sure. people will be sad that they're not on the list um, give them a colour give them a colour yeah just say yeah I think red guy is really good yeah. blue one's brilliant oh it's really hard though because basically I love like loads I have quite I read quite a broad spectrum of writers so like I really love Dean Bennett and so the Guardian who writes like fun or, science where is a place that they would coexist oh, on my Twitter feed BuzzFeed actually there's loads of really brilliant people who write for BuzzFeed at the moment um, Bim who writes for Buzz Bim Adewami who writes for BuzzFeed is brilliant um the debrief there are loads of good writers at the debrief where I write and particularly a lot of like women who have opinions which obviously I like women as well women with opinions that's good women with opinions are good so talk to me about the patriarch right <laughs> oh, the pa- Ooh, bloody patriarch oh, those guys or girls yeah so nice. pa- okay patriarch here's my current thing about the patriarch current I'm going to assume I'm going to assume at the moment thing I'm going to assume that people listening to this podcast will know what the patriarch is right? I don't know if that's the best place to start okay let's start at the very what's your definition of the patriarch my definition definition of the patriarchy is the patriarchy is a system under which we live which we both uh, benefit from and are fucked over by and we also reinforce and I say we very deliberately because I've spoken to a lot of men on the internet hashtag not all men on the internet but quite a lot of the men on the internet that I've spoken to when you use the word patriarchy we'll take it as a personal insult like oh you said patriarchy, but I don't do that. But I don't oppress women, and I have never deliberately oppressed a woman. Um, and I'm like, that's really interesting because I think the, the idea we have of patriarchy, the idea maybe a lot of people have of patriarchy, is that it's like 
a bunch of guys all got together and sat in a room and went, ooh, those women, eh? Ooh, <laughs> let's come up with some traps and tricks to... to... Some sort of secret society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's build a ceiling made of glass that they can't get through. Ha, ha, ha. And it's like, well, that's not really what the patriarchy is. Like, the patriarchy, we all feed into the patriarchy. We all reinforce the patriarchy. Like, when you said... Bottom oh, cider is a bit of a girly trick. It's a bit of a girly you trick. fell into a classic patriarchal trap. You fell into a classic patriarchal trap. And I did not immediately call you out on it and go, no, listen to. up, how dare you call that you a girly want, dream? Were you tempted? Well, I, I did when I came back I from know, the I know, instantly, and I, I, I was expecting Yeah, Well, very gently, though, because, no, no, you know, I, I, I recognise yeah, recognize that this is not you using patriarchy as a weapon. <laughs> this is just that patriarchy is... Is out there, know. on my shoulders, on our, all of our shoulders. It's literally right over here our shoulders. in this room with us. What does patriarchy look like? Okay, okay. Immediately, that sounds like a ridiculous question, but as soon as you said it... It made absolute sense. Yeah, it made absolute sense. I can picture it. I think patriarchy looks a bit... I would like to see... It's like in a sci-fi type environment. It would look a bit like like a fog, like a mist, a low-level ground mist that we're all walking through all the time. And sometimes it becomes thicker and we get caught on it a bit but none of us ever notice it's there. None wow. of us ever acknowledge it. So imagine London, right, but with mist about a foot off the floor. Right, as opposed to smog in the air. As opposed to smog in the air. And it affects you, but you don't really notice it, you don't really see it, and sometimes it affects you more, and sometimes it affects you less. That's a good patriarchy metaphor, but could I am third, like, third, third point, point in, in yeah. yeah. Could you? I mean, that's a third point theory. Yeah. Or theorem. Perhaps. Theorem. Oh, maybe that's the theorem the I want to become famous for. It's been invented. Patriarchy mist. See... That's an interesting, again, like I say, it's an interesting theory. Um, that'll do, that's a hybrid of the two. Do you think you could can it and sell it? My theorem. Or could you? Or the patriarchy. Patriarchy. No, right. Or the, the, vapor, the vaporized patriarchy. Could you potentially capture it and remove it? No. Will it always exist? It, Does no. it have to exist? Well, okay, the thing is, there will always be, I think, there will always be oppression in various different forms. So could you take the patriarchy away? I think, okay, here's what would be interesting, right? Let's say there was a machine that was generating <laughs> the patriarchy. The patriarchy generation machine, right? Yeah, Makes and sense. you could switch yeah. it off, and then tomorrow morning everyone would wake up, and there would be, none of the results of patriarchy would be here. It would be a very, very, very different world, and you would wake up tomorrow, and the whole world would look completely different. And well, you wouldn't less fog for start. There'd be less fog, yeah. But you wouldn't really understand why. Like I think when you like patriarchy is difficult to pin down because often it is just in our behaviours. It's not like I think the word itself kind of implies there are some men above like holding us all down and if you killed all those men or something they wouldn't go away. It's like, no, that's not really it. Like because I feed into patriarchy, like I notice myself like particularly when I'm interacting with like friends who have young children, like interacting with their children, the like babies sometimes, I recognise myself saying, "Oh, aren't you a big strong boy?" or like, "Aren't you a beautiful girl?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck! Wait a minute, that's weird." Yeah. Like I do. You people genuinely automatically react differently to men and women. I relate differently to men versus women. Like I don't have as many women friends as I have men friends, and. Again, five years ago, I'd have said, oh, I just like men more, women annoy me. Whereas now I'm like, no, I have unexamined prejudice about the kind of people that I interact with. Um, so, yeah, again, that's not really a funny bit. That's more Doesn't like matter. Oh, serious okay. politics. Uh, if the book was to turn into either a six-part TV series... Okay. ...or a movie, or not? Oh. What would you pick? 
oh fuck do you know it really massively depends on like who's going to be in it what the tone is okay. well I mean the six parter lends towards maybe a bit more development yeah but the 90 minute one off special straight in yeah the thing straight is into the deeper. The thing, yeah if it's going to be successful either way you're going to make more money off a movie than a TV series so money wise I would go movie but in terms of like character development and being interesting I would rather someone make if someone was to make anything of my life I feel like it would be much better being a six part sitcom than a fucking blockbuster movie because I'm not a blockbuster movie like I'm just a dickhead who doesn't really know what they're (laughs) doing like I, I am more a sort of sitcom twat who sort of bumbles through shit than I am a fucking I don't know Christian Grey millionaire with a helicopter Oh, I got the most got the most amazing review earlier on this week. Amazing review. It was a mediocre review <laughs> in the Evening Standard. But the, I had a little read, yes. Oh, but it was fucking. But it was, I was so delighted with that review. And uh, my other half was like, "Are you sure? Are you happy with it? Because it's like it's not. It's sort of middling review." He's like, "Some bits are amazing and some bits are really shit." But one of the things he said was. He was like, he compared it to Fifty Shades. He was like, well, Christian Grey's got a helicopter, whereas Mark, the guy in my book, has an Xbox. And I was just like, yeah, that's brilliant. Because most people don't have helicopters. <laughs> most people, the best they can hope for is a fucking Xbox. And that is what my book, that's what my book is like. And that's what my sex is like. You know, if the super amazing, like, intricate BDSM sex is a helicopter, mine is a fucking Xbox that you're like, oh, we'll play this because we're pissed on a Saturday night. And that's fun. Smash the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yes, pretty cool. Mash up some plants. So where do we find you and 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 the publication? Where do we go? How do we pitch it? How do we find it? How do we find it? So uh, so if you want to find my book, it will be available in all good bookshops. All good bookshops. I love that as a phrase. I know. That I know. does imply there are some shit bookshops. Yeah, that's people's way of saying you might not find it in every single bookshop. But yeah, so no, I know that WH Smith have bought a lot, so. Uh, by the end of the month. That's good. Yeah. Good. There Thanks should be some Smith. like in Smiths and like that kind of thing. But also obviously on Amazon, girlonthenet.com slash books. You can find my latest book. Oh, I'm so rubbish at this publicity thing. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. But also I have to release I'm gonna release a chapter of it on my website, like really? when the book comes out on Thursday. So there'll be a chapter of it on my website, you can read it, and if you think it's awesome, buy the book. If you think it's shit, definitely don't buy the books. And, and what's next? <laughs> Okay, well... In an ideal world and in an actual world? Okay, so in the actual world... Well, I mean, in an ideal world, my book sells loads of books and I have got a really fun idea for a novel in my head. It's a bit sort of... It's sort of a bit like... Oh, no, I'm not even going to try and describe it because I'll do it badly because I'm pissed. But basically, it's an, <laughs> I've got an idea for a novel that's about relationships and love and either... If my current book does really well, I will write that novel and it will be quite sexy. If my current book doesn't do very well, I will write that novel more like literary fiction and I will publish it under my real name and so no one will know that here I am. But I will publish it because I have lots of family members who are like, we'd love to read your book, but obviously you've told us we can't because it's got your cunt in it. So, oh, I say cunt. Oh, I say cunt. Sorry. You, have. Uh, you can bleep it. You can bleep it. So, if you were to give aspiring writers, blog or otherwise, yeah. top tip or tips, yeah. Uh, so my first tip would be start writing immediately like now start writing now even if it's shit start writing now most of the stuff I've written like when I started blogging most of the stuff I wrote was rubbish 
and I look back at it now and cringe. However, I started writing it, and particularly with the web, you start writing stuff now, even if it's shit, you will start getting traffic and you will build it. There is no point sitting in a cafe with your fucking MacBook telling people you're a writer if you haven't published anything. You now have routes to publication that mean it will take you five seconds to get something published online. Even if it's a tweet, just keep writing stuff and accept that most of it will be shit and then you kind of hone it and then eventually you write a book and just put the good bits in. How do you maintain resilience in writing? Oh, what, like when people slag my stuff off? Not you necessarily, but as a writer. Yeah. Uh, did you... The honest, okay, if I was a proper writer, I would say, oh, well, you know, like, just don't read your reviews or, like, oh, be be aware that you get positive reviews too. But I'm, I'm not really a real writer, I'm going to tell you, honestly, you don't ever get resilience. It's fucking horrible and miserable and you can put your heart and soul into something and think it's the best thing you've ever done and ten people can email you saying this was amazing and if one person says I didn't like this it will gut you for a week (laughs) and that's really horrible but you know I feel like maybe I'm just really sensitive about it but yeah it's really hard it's personal so it will be sensitive it's okay yeah it is personal and to be honest I think it's probably a hard like because the kind of stuff I write is like really intimate and sexual and personal and I'm talking about like particularly in my latest book obviously there's a lot of like sex and filth but there's like mental health stuff as well and things that I genuinely believe passionately if someone says I don't like that yeah it cuts you like to a certain extent I always just think well not everyone's going to like everything and I have talked myself into believing that it's much better for a book to get polarised, amazing and awful reviews, which is generally what my stuff tends to get. Way better to have that than to have a bunch of three-star, this was okay. But ultimately, yeah, it's really going to hurt you. Like, there are reviews from my first book from Amazon... One woman said, "Oh, this wasn't even. Oh, this wasn't even that sexy. I could write the same in my teenage diary." And I still remember, like, I still remember that review, even though ninety percent of the reviews of that book are really good ones where people loved it, and people write like thousand words. Oh, this was amazing reviews. It means fuck all in the face of a one-liner that says you're a cunt. Uh, so I don't know how to do, I don't know how to deal with that. No, it's interesting. But it, drink a lot. I drink a lot. Fair play. <laughs> I was going to ask stuff about guests and sofas because you do get a lot of guests. Yes, I do. Block. And I think there's a lot of positives in that. Oh, I love that. Is that is genuinely one of my favourite things about guest blogging particularly when people email to say so I've got this fetish and I think I'm a bit weird so like I had a guy email me and was like I've got this fetish I think I'm a bit weird but like I want to talk to you about like the fetish in the subculture and it was about he had a fetish for giants and giantesses and I just I love the thing I love about guest blogging is people come to me with the weirdest things and they feel comfortable telling me and I think that's one of the things I've gained loads from. It's quite empowering as well, really. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like, I think I am one of the bloggers that people are most comfortable coming to and saying, oh, hey, I think this is weird, but I'd like to talk about it. And I think maybe it's partly just because I was lucky in the early days. I got a few guest bloggers who were talking about really unusual things. I had a fantastic guest blogger um, who wrote to me about her fetish for... Um, Rocket Raccoon in that's quite recent yeah Yeah. and she just writes in this beautiful way and one of the things I love about like fetish and kink is when someone who really loves it writes about it 
even if you don't share that kink, you can go, oh God, I totally see what you mean. Like, I can totally see where you're coming from. And so she wrote this amazing blog where... It was, yeah, it was like, I can totally, I fancy him now that you've talked about him like this. He sounds so hot. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the nicest things about blogging. Some people are like, oh, I've got a weird thing, and you're the one I want to tell about it. It feels quite, it's quite touching. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Correct answer. <laughs> it was good fun. I had fun. I do hope so. Um, fantastic. Well, uh, the Twitter... Oh, Twitter, at Girl on the Net. Website? Girl on the Net.com. Book? Uh, How a Bad Girl Fell in Love. Correct answer. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Thank you.